Those with high credit scores, so high credit score being anywhere between 680 to 780, will see a spike in their mortgage costs because of this new fee they have to pay to ensure those people who don't have good credit scores are subsidized and don't have to pay. That's socialism, dude. This is fucking socialism. So basically what's going to happen is people with higher credit scores, their mortgage prices are probably going to go up anywhere between like 60 to some cases even $100 a month to subsidize those with low credit scores, lower rates, just to cover the difference. And here's the part that bothers me. Is there's going to be a chorus of assholes out there who are clearly benefiting from this who are going to say, so what? It's $100 for rich people. Mm -hmm. No, man. It's the whole point. Why have a credit score system mm -hmm. if we're just going to eviscerate the difference between you and me Here, by me subsidizing you so now i'm being penalized for doing the right yeah. thing Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Saeed Omar is pointing his finger at me. I am. Welcome back to the show. That's my line. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say your line. Come on. So this week started off what we thought was going to be a big bang of information on Saturday before Monday. Mm -hmm. Moody's uh, reported they were going to downgrade 11 regional banks ahead of some of their earnings reports. Right. And uh, people started to freak the fuck out. As they should. And I'm not going to lie. I was one of them. I thought, oh, shit, Monday is going to be terrible. Well, they downgraded. Well, we'll get into it. I thought we were going to dive, go right into the wow, show. Wow, I was ready. I did some research on ready movies. Ready to jump right in there, huh, Rook? Yeah. He's, he's excited. <laughs> a little premature uh, discussion, huh? A lot of my stuff's premature. Yeah, I can. I, you don't have to tell me, okay? <laughs> some things I already know. I included a, a wonderful article with a full breadth of really descriptive vocabulary from the one and only Sam Zell, where he talks about uh, working from home in a very clear and concise manner. He has some feels about it. I didn't read this article because I wanted to get live reaction. Okay. Well, he feels some type of way about it. Okay. I'm sure. I'm Sam, sure Zell, uh, Sam Zell is going to let you know. A.K.A. Kermit. Yeah. <laughs> You're a terrible <laughs> human being. I like these two articles back to back because I thought they made perfect sense. Javis moved millions from J.P. Morgan. You might remember her. We talked about her in a previous show. She sold J.P. Morgan a bogus list with a bogus company. Of uh, millions, but really only had three hundred thousand active users. Yep. They, they're all in litigation. She's, I think, the coming after her criminally now. Was well, this what she took all of her money to Signature Bank months before the collapse? <laughs> Oopsies. Yeah. What made you feel like it was safe over there? <laughs> Followed by a nice little, uh, nice little dip into Repo Man returns. Man, I yeah. remember that being a big deal, like in the nineties. No, oh, it's a big deal again, man. This yeah. article goes on to some pretty colorful shit, mm -hmm. which is sad at the same time. Right. 
then your boy Chamath uh, from the All In podcast. Well, he has uh, a little uh, little thing to say about crypto. I believe I was at a quote. He said, "Crypto is dead in America, like a dog shit. Like shot it. It's on the ground. Don't pick it up. Yeah, call somebody. They'll get it. Right. You know what I mean? It's a problem. Light it on fire." And uh, we'll round out the show with a lot of little details from a lot of little articles, but let's just say we're going to have some fun with Jim Cramer on the way out. I have to. The way he deserves it. It's just, it's not right if we don't poke at Jim Cramer. Yeah, well, come on now. Bed Bath & Beyond files for, for bankruptcy and you think I'm not going to go back to Jim Cramer? I have to. It's just... <laughs> it's too good. Don't be stupid. Yeah. All right. So let's kick this off with the Wall Street Journal article. So I was actually made aware of this on Friday. Uh, bank regulators were very much concerned about the potential of what this could all mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, I don't think it really meant anything. I, I think, if anything, it was much ado about nothing. But according to the Wall Street Journal, Moody's Investor Services downgraded 11 regional banks. So when they did this, they um, I, I, I think we all thought it was going to be a little bit more like surprising, but it wasn't. So... They did this on Friday. It made public attention on Saturday. I mean, not a lot of people saw the article. I certainly saw it when it came out. Mm-hmm. You called me while I was at the movie theater. Oh, yeah, I did. No, no, I called you about some other shit. Yeah, yeah. This was just anecdotal to that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, fine. Way to, way to pay attention to what I have to say to you. <laughs> Suggesting higher interest rates in recent bank failures have ushered in greater instability. The downgrades hit lenders, including U.S. Bank Corp., with some 800 and, 800 $682 billion, Is that what it is? Yes, $682. Wow, that looks really fuzzy from this distance. Mm-hmm. In assets, Zions Bank Corp's uh, with eighty-nine billion, and Bank of Hawaii Corp with twenty-four billion. Yeah. Let me say right now. I'll tell you right now. I, I we do a lot of business in Hawaii. I've been in Hawaii. I know, I know that bank pretty well. Hawaiians aren't going to leave Bank of Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they're not going to be like, oh no, well, our bank's not. Oh, they got downgraded. Where are we going to go? I like how you, I like how you made a quick swerve out of. He tried. Yeah, he, tried. You, he was going to go down that no, path. Was, you heard it too, right? Yeah, of course. I'm yeah, you're going to do that invitation. And then I was you, and not going no under no such thing. Under no such thing. Tried, and then he was like, "Oh shit!" I yeah, he's like, "Wait, no, it's being recorded. It's being recorded now. We can no longer do this." That's not true. I just had a long no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just because you two are inferring some kind of ethnic or racial bias. Wait, hold on. That actually means that you guys are assholes, not me. I mean, I, I had a long no, and all of a sudden it's, it's some kind of like racial system. It's, it's been established a long time ago that I'm an asshole. That's that's confirmed. No, but what sucks but it is takes the, an the, asshole to know an asshole. The people don't know it though. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> You've painted me to be the villain, bro. It's not fair. Yeah, that's not fair. No, you did that so, to yourself. In any event, after my long pause no, which you think means something, doesn't mean something. Here's the way it works in Hawaii. There's seven or eight banks that are there. The native Hawaiian banks, Bank of Hawaii being one of them, mm-hmm. they get the lion's share of the business there. Right. It's just because they want to deal with a local bank. It's just culturally we have branches what they there. do. We do. Yeah. And it's very, very hard to get business. And yeah. if it wasn't for, I would say, some of our like ties to the community there, it'd probably be a little more difficult for us. But mm-hmm. a lot of large banks that have gone there, they failed. Mm-hmm. So this came out on Friday, at least as far as you know, people knew about it. And this obviously was downgraded on Friday. The media picks it up on Saturday. I'm like, man, I really don't know what's going to happen on Monday, particularly because First Republic Bank reported on Monday. Yes. And I'm like, well, this combined with that, that this this could be um, this could be somewhat kind of sensational. Right. Um, something that I did want to go back to before all this, because I've had people reach out to me and say. You know, we always cite uh, Black Knight and Moody's and Best. the other, Black Knight. The, 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 so the other two, S&P and Fitch, right? Um, just to 
Core Logic. Yeah, Core Logic. Yeah. Explain what those are. So basically, they're a bond credit rating agency that provides international financial research on bonds issued by commercial and government entities. And they've actually, Moody's, in fact, has been around for 114 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so a month ago, Moody's actually downgraded the entire banking sector to negative, right? From stable. Remember that? They did. So not all banks are rated by Moody's. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so therein lies kind of some of the, the confusion, I think, here. They rate banks who kind of are in their system and their ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It's not like they just go out and pick banks and they rate them. They, they, you have to kind of subscribe to Moody's, be in their ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not all banks are, are rated by them, certainly. So I think the confusion is that this is going to impact everybody the same way. No, those who have a rating with them, there's also Kroll, there's S&P, there's all these other uh, yes. different rating agencies. And they all have different values and purposes. What I would say... For most people who listen to the show, it just means that somebody who specializes in the sector who has to rate their bonds or their underlying mm-hmm. debt, right? they say, okay, this company's in good shape or bad shape. Earlier in, I want to say like in the month, maybe a month before that, mm-hmm. uh, sometime in like March, uh, First Republic was downgraded to junk, right? I remember So that. their debt was effectively you know, called junk by the rating system. It was mm-hmm. kind of one of the lowest ratings you can get. So them being on this list would not have been a surprise because mm-hmm. they were already rated so badly. Right. So the, what the rating essentially is, what they're trying to do, like like Chris said, they're trying to measure the likelihood a company can repay their their debts. Mm-hmm. So if a company is rated junk, well, that means the likelihood of them repaying their debt is probably not good. You're not to be confused with junk in your trunk, which is a positive thing. Right. I mean. If we were not here to dispel these differences between colloquial language exhibit and- Exhibit A. In the finance world, I don't know where some of y'all would be. Yeah, exactly. You know, you'd be like, oh my God, he's got so much junk in the trunk. His bonds are bad. <laughs> His bonds. Very confusing. Yeah, you know exactly, what I mean? Exactly. It's very confusing. Um, Let, let's let's skip ahead to the article on First Republic because I think this is a little bit of a, a tie in here, which is good. Mm-hmm. So, First Republic came out today. And what I'll tell you, if you've been listening to earnings in, in this bank earnings season, we talked about this for the weeks leading up to it. Started on the 14th and it's kind of kept going to this point in time. What I'll tell you is it's very clear that nobody cares about earnings. First Republic actually made more money than people thought they were going to. But the problem for most people was they lost $100 billion in deposits. This, yeah, man. according to, uh, I think it's an article from, I want to say it's Bloomberg? Oh, Wall Street like, Journal. That looks like Wall Street Journal. Yeah, yeah. well, no, it's in the article on the right. Why are you trying to big lead me on the article, bro? Yeah, I got it. That was me. If, if this is what we're going to do this tonight. We're going to have fights. I just want to let you know right now. I will slap the shit out of you on the show. Right, right meow. Ding, ding, ding. Let's, yeah. Yeah, let's see. I'll, yeah. I'll take you right <laughs> see, now. I'll, right meow? Right meow. I've been, I've been studying Adam at his jujitsu lessons. I know all the moves. I feel like you don't, though. Want to fuck around and find out? We can play that game. I want to see you in a gi first. <laughs> you know, that double extra large bottom and that uh, medium oh, yeah. top. I know it sucks. I, you got to buy two, right? You gotta, no, most people don't need the double extra large bottom <laughs> and the medium top. No, for me, I would need two. So I got to buy the double XL full, like at the bottoms, and then the medium up top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have all that like chest hair coming out. Oh yeah. So nobody wants to wrestle with you. No, don't no. don't flex your <laughs> boobies while you're talking. To you. don't, don't, don't do that. Right. Don't do this. So this, the, this is being recorded on video. <laughs> that was this that is was, for damn sure gonna be the video that comes out first. Said <laughs> <laughs> Zangief. Yeah, Zangief. Wow. A Street <laughs> Fighter Two reference. That's, all a, right. that's a great nickname. <laughs> Room coming through with pop culture. Right. So First Republic loses a hundred billion in deposits in the quote banking panic. Bank says it will cut headcount by as much as 25% slash executive pay as it restructures balance sheet. And my first thought was, now? Mm. Now you're going to do that shit? Where the fuck were you the last couple of months? Yeah. You're, oh, my God. 
You're going to let people go? Like, where was your expense management prior to this? This had to be part of like some strategic planning. Like, look, earnings are going to come out. Now, then after that comes out, it's, gonna, it's not going to be as great. So why don't we come out and say this? But here's what I'm saying. It's like you knew earnings season was going to come. You knew when you closed the quarter in March mm-hmm. that you were going to have to report in April. So Absolutely. why didn't you address this? Why didn't you try to do something proactively? And I, or granted, they probably had a lot of problems. So if you recall... Mm-hmm. They got a $70 billion loan at one point in time from the Fed. Mm-hmm. Then JP Morgan and oh, 10 other banks, 11 banks total, yes. kicked in $30 billion. And we were like, God damn, $100 billion? Why? Now you know why. That's exactly they, why. They, they lost $100 billion. Right. So the interesting thing that I read in this article, which I thought probably deserves some attention, mm-hmm. is that somebody went ahead and did the math here and they did their 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 loan portfolio's value minus whatever the d- deduction for interest rates would be, right? So they try to figure out what their actual value of their underlying loans would be mm-hmm. and then the actual net worth of the company. And if they net out the loss, there's really no worth there. Right. So really what I'm saying is, is the rhetoric in the media after all this was pretty interesting because it wasn't focused on, hey, they still make, they, they actually beat earnings. They, they make mm-hmm. good money. Right. Right. The media was focused on, okay, how will, how and when will this bank be dismantled? Yeah, Odin pulled up the quote from the CEO, Mike Roffler. We're taking steps to meaningfully reduce our expenses to align with our focus on reducing the size of the balance sheet. CEO Mike Roffler said in post-earnings conference call, the briefing lasted less than 15 minutes and ended without executives taking questions yeah, from analysts. No questions. <laughs> I'm going to come out and make this statement. I'm going to walk off. Yeah. No, no. This is not like one of those pin pin parade walks off. Yeah. Walk off. So like, yo, I'm going to drop the mic and walk off. Yeah. This is like, I got to run before they shoot me walk off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he, this no, is not, no. this is not a good situation for them. So Moody said that uh, the reason for the downgrades, a lot of it had to do with strains in the way banks are managing their assets and liabilities are becoming increasingly evident and are pressuring profitability. Recent events have called into question whether some banks assumed high stability of deposits and their operational nature should be reevaluated. Yeah, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to walk into a time of of M and A activity in the coming months, right? So a lot of these banks are trading at or below tangible book value, especially the community bank sector. Right. And we've we've alluded to in the past that the only way some of these banks can grow in the future is to shrink their balance sheet and then redeploy that capital over time mm-hmm. in higher interest loans. Yeah. Right. Increasing something known as their net interest margin. So basically, the only way for these banks to become more profitable. Mm-hmm is to have these loans with a 2 or 3% interest rate payoff. Yes. And then take that money and redeploy that capital, meaning make other loans at 5, 6, 7%. Mm-hmm. Right? And now you're increasing the difference between what you're getting on loans versus what you have to pay on deposits even more. Now what's going to be interesting is is right now we're walking into a period of time where the Fed is presumptively after the next Fed interest rate increase going to hold rates. On May 3rd. Okay. So if you're a bank you then start making a shit ton of loans right away because you know rates are only going to get cut and go down over time? Or do you wait? I mean, how long do they get cut, right? Yeah. Do you think about it? Do you, say you, you definitely have to wait to see if... More banks fail? Not more banks fail, but at least a data point or two to come out to really make you feel like the Fed won't go fuck around and increase another 25 basis points. What's that going to be? It's, it's, it's interesting. I think the big banks might actually go out aggressively because they're going to try to get the highest interest rate they can. Because every, unlike the economy we've been in the last 14 years, mm-hmm. where every loan you make today, mm-hmm. right, is going to be worth less tomorrow as the Fed increases interest rates. Yes. 
We're going to walk into an economy where every loan you make today is going to be worth exponentially more tomorrow as the Fed cuts interest rates. Yes. Because you couldn't attain the interest rate you're getting on that loan now if you were to sell in the secondary market mm-hmm. in the active market because rates are now lower over time. I know. I, w- I would hope that they wouldn't be that, as greedy as that. Because look, let's say you wait. Ooh, it's corporate America, brother. I know, but let's let's say you wait, right? And uh, rates get cut, you know, the following meeting after that. So you miss out on that. You can still make loans at that new rate that's one notch below, right? Let's say, let's call it because it gets cut down to 5% because presumptively it'll be five and a quarter, right? And you're saying that would be the highest interest rate. But then let's say you wait for it to get cut. Then it gets cut down to five. If you make loans there, you know rates are still going to get cut even more. So that will still make you a profit. May I pontificate with you for a brief moment? Please. Let us pontificate together. Okay. Let us put our hands together. Let's do it. <laughs> I, uh, I watched that, that show, the uh, first episode of that show, Righteous Gemstones on HBO. I don't know. It. It's, it's, um, it's pretty, 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 pretty. It's on HBO? Pretty funny, yeah. Um, Danny McBride. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he wrote and directed, for at least first episode anyway. It was it was kind of funny. I, I did not expect that. that a lot show. of people call Danny McBride Odin. Why is that? I don't know. From right, right, Odin. Don't a lot of people say that you're him. Yeah. What, just, what is not, it? What is the rationale behind it? I don't get I, it. I'm unnecessary. I do things to fuck everyone over. Oh, is because is that the role that he plays in all his movies? Um, the one movie, This Is the End, or uh, of Us. Oh, and This Is the End. That would be you. Yeah. yeah. You would be the guy that masturbated into the, into the porn mag. Well, no, no. Well, and, <laughs> yeah, that would be you. That, that's what he does in the, mo- in the I movie. I didn't say that. That's, that's what, what happened. This is why you're the and villain. This is the end. That, this is why have, there are a bunch of dudes together in a room, <laughs> and they're all like tied because you know Emma Watson got scared and ran off, and that's what Danny McBride did. Wow. Now, what happened was, no, Danny that's McBride what happened. I try to be a nice guy and make everyone breakfast, not knowing the circumstances of what happened in the world. I think that's what it is. That's why he gets called Danny okay, McBride. Okay, you would do both those. Yeah. Either <laughs> or. Odin is. Odin is. everyone off, I drink all the water like he did. Oh, yeah. Odin is definitely the guy that'll wake up bright and early, go grocery shopping for the entire like Airbnb house, and then make breakfast for everybody. But then be like, Saeed, go clean up. I, I probably wouldn't know if I was invited on any, any trip you guys have been in with an Airbnb. Oh, Christopher. Don't mm. this now. Don't full name me, bitch. Oh, Christopher. I will slap that Christopher oh, out oh, your mouth, boy. Listen, that's strike number two of slaps. I, I will uh, go. U- U.S. You existing go? home prices. I want to go to U.S. existing home prices. So a lot of people have been kind of sending me messages, particularly as it relates to the housing market. And it's really interesting to see how polar this is. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, the, the prices in my area holding. Yeah. Prices in my area are falling. Mm-hmm. I got to talk to a guy today who lives in the Valley in Los Angeles, said that his home was worth north of 1.1 at one point in time. Yeah. is now worth close to 850, 875. So it's interesting to see how really polarized the economy is when mm-hmm. it comes to home prices. So this from MarketWatch, US existing home prices fall nearly 1% in March. The biggest drop in a decade, which oh. 1% is not a huge drop. No. But it's the biggest drop in a decade. The median price for an existing home fell by 0.9% from last March, dropping to $375,700 this year. The drop is the largest since January of 2012 when home prices fell 2% year over year. It is also the second month in a row that home prices fell and Dave Ramsey was wrong. Wrong again. Wrong again. And he'll continue to be wrong. So, And this is the beginning, folks. Right. During a time which we've noted... This is the hottest season of the year. Hottest. It, I mean, this is where I think 40% of all sales happen during the springtime. Mm-hmm. So uh, U.S. existing home sales also fell by 2.4% month over month. 
It was estimated to decline only 1.8. So that beat out expectations in the wrong way. Um, and you got to think like, where, where is this headed if this is happening during the worst time? I, I think we, we hit our target of 10 to 15% by July. Yeah, I think so. And I, th- I think, um, I think it certainly depends on what market you're in. Like some, some areas of the Midwest are, are really not seeing a whole lot of this. Some areas in Miami are kind of flat neutral. Parts of Texas are mostly still increasing in value mm-hmm. in, in some areas. So, but what I will say is we haven't hit, hit the official recession yet. Right. We haven't seen the impacts of the consumer yet. We've all seen this like scary stuff, mm-hmm. but we haven't actually seen consumer discretionary spending pull back in a massive, meaningful way. So I think everybody's taking the victory lap too early that, oh, the housing market's fine. It's a supply yeah. and demand argument. And then, well, let me, let me put a little asterisk here. Okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. Be careful. I know where you want to go. I'm going to say this is a part of the show where if you're offended by cussing or harsh vernacular, mm-hmm. this is probably going to fucking upset you. Okay, but before, before we get, because I know this is going to be a huge chunk of the show. I'm, I'm pissed off, man. Rightfully so. This shit is unbelievably wild. Unbelie- it's fucking wrong. But so in addition to all that, housing starts and permits came down in March, mainly driven by multifamily. Single family was still still there, right? I think this stayed pretty stagnant. Mm-hmm. But you can you can imagine that in the upcoming months with and housing starts are specifically housing start, oh, like construction, new construction, new construction, correct. and, and they also track the in, permits. We covered in previous shows that multifamily has more housing, more apartments are coming online than ever in history. Ever in history, exactly. Um, the uh, PNC senior economist, I can't even pronounce his name, Abby Omodunbi. You ever notice that a lot of these economists have really hard to pronounce names? Yeah, do they do that to fuck with us? I think it is. Like, I just don't want to even say your name. I'll just say a senior economist at PNC. I do that all the time. Yeah, I have to. Like, there are some people's names. I'm just like, nope. Nope, not going to do it. You fucking Greek. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Uh so he's forecasting at least another 10% decline due to there being less demand and more supply because of affordability. Mm. So, I mean, he clearly listens to the show. He does. I mean, obviously. I was so upset when he didn't credit did us. He si- yeah, I was going to say, did he sign Yeah, us? Unbelievable. What an asshole this guy is, right? That's why, that's why I can't um, say his name. But he says, out of disgust. Um, high financing costs for home builders will likely be the cause of the decline for housing starts moving forward. Yeah, but see, I don't think housing starts are necessarily indicative of what the pressure is going to be on the consumer. The affordability issue is a problem, period. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, you add in the fact there's not a lot of supply out there and there's not a lot of money to buy the supply. Right. I mean, for first time home buyers, their luck really, all they really were going towards were these new home builds. So now you've got the perfect kind of Maltov cocktail of waiting for something to fail. Waiting like for everything something everything's, to fail. Everything's collided. Like everything's been charged. It's mm-hmm. just waiting for that one light, that light of fire to hit something and then it blows the whole and thing I, up. And I think Joe Biden realizes that too because he's like, let me help y'all. Let me help y'all let this fail. No, this is bullshit. This, this is not, don't, don't put like any kind of rational like fucking understanding of the market on this shit. Don't you Ricky Bobby me. Yeah. Um, so look, if you recall back when Biden ran, he said a lot of crazy shit. And it was a lot of like woke culture stuff, which really bothers me. And I don't generally like to get political on the show, but this is just fucking dumb. Mm. So this, according to Fox Business, former Obama housing chief slams Biden's, quote, unprecedented, end quote, mortgage plan. Not the way to do it. And the man is not wrong. Mm. The rule would give home buyers, are you ready for this? Mm. With riskier credit scores, better mortgage rates, and lower fees than homeowners with good credit. Right. So before I lose my shit, 
I'm going to explain a little bit more. So my original thoughts on this, and I wrote it down in the actual article show notes. I hope this is a bad joke. It completely undermines the entire system because it does. Here's the quote from the article. New rules from the Federal Housing Finance Agency, FHFA, will allow consumers with lower credit ratings and less money for a down payment to qualify for better mortgage rates than they otherwise would have. In turn, the costs are expected to be passed on to those with good credit. The rules are set to go into effect on May fucking 1st. Unwild that this could just happen like that with the snap of a finger. This is wildly inappropriate. Wildly inappropriate. And I got some more detail here. So that former uh, Obama housing chief. So he was the former FHA commissioner. Also, As in the company that's implementing this. Yeah. Also previously served as president and CEO of Mortgage Bankers Association. Think he knows a little bit about this shit. I think he, I think he gets it. And he, and he came out and he said... This won't be effective because FHA will still be a better rate for those with low credit scores. Yeah. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. So basically what he's saying is FHA, uh, uh, sorry, Fannie Mae, mm-hmm. right? And FHFA, mm-hmm. there, there are already mechanisms in place to address this. Yes. The reason why some of these entities exist is to provide people with just exactly that fucking credit profile, mm-hmm. the opportunity to buy a house with a low... There are three percent programs with FHA. So, so let, let me. I, I'm sure this had to have made its rounds. I know we got a, we have a lot of uh, realtors and people in the mortgage space that listen to the show. So yeah. They 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 know about this, but I, I went ahead and looked at like the details behind. The I feet. thought this was a joke. I had to look it up and see to make sure it was real. I, I thought was like, was, this ain't gonna get. I, I thought it was gonna. It had to get passed by Congress. Like this is never no, gonna no, get done. Yeah, it's all done. May first. I don't even remember when they fucking did this. Yeah. Like, did somebody slip this in? Like, it was in. <laughs> I bet you this is part of that inflation reduction act. No, these motherfuckers. These motherfuckers be docking. This, this is. <laughs> this, they're just slipping shit in and docking. That's what they're. That's what they're doing. I should it's make like, you explain docking. No, we're not. No, yeah. they know. <laughs> That's an urban dictionary lookup for your kids, folks. Right. Just remember, I was not the co-host who said it. That's Saeed well, Omar. You, you said you said they slipped it in. S Omar at. <laughs> <laughs> so the fee, which is called the loan level price adjustment, the LLPA, those with high credit scores, so high credit score being anywhere between 680 to 780, will see a spike in their mortgage costs because of this new fee they have to pay to ensure those people who don't have good credit scores are subsidized and don't have to pay. That's socialism, dude. This is fucking socialism. So basically what's going to happen is People with higher credit scores, their mortgage prices are probably going to go up anywhere between like 60 to some cases even $100 a month to subsidize those with low credit scores, lower rates, just to cover the difference. And here's the part that bothers me. Is there's going to be a chorus of assholes out there who are clearly benefiting from this who are going to say, so what? It's $100 for rich people. Mm-hmm. No, man. It's the whole point. Why have a credit score system? Mm-hmm. If we're just going to eviscerate the difference between you and me Here, by me subsidizing you, so now I'm being penalized for doing the right yeah. thing. Hey, assholes, why don't, why don't you give them like another tax write-off instead? I'm just saying. Like, right? what the why, fuck? Why, why I got to pay? You know, I'm paying taxes too, bro. Right. Exactly. Like, use my tax money for that, but don't make me pay directly for no, it. Don't use my tax money. You just this give, is called asshole tax. Just give That's them a write-off. It, so it, so they have to pay less tax? It's fucking terrible, man. There wasn't a single... I saw this and I thought to myself, like, this had to be a joke. I saw it on first on Instagram. So I'm like, okay, this is social media, Chris. Mm-hmm. Don't get emotionally engaged in this shit. I looked it up and I'm like, holy shit, this is actually law. Mm-hmm. This goes into effect on May 1st. Now, the good news is, is this is conforming agency loans. Mm-hmm. 
A lot of people don't get these kind of loans anyway. No, like I said, they're going to go FHA route instead over this. They'll, they'll get better well, rates there. Well, the people with lower credit scores will go through FHA and get right. better credit scores, and they'll come, you can put as little as 3 3.5% down. The, how they're trying to spin this is they're saying that it's this is an effort to get more first-time and low-income buyers into home ownership. Which is not true. It's not going to work that way. Yeah. As the article suggests, this is not the way to do it. But more importantly, this is one of those things that fucking happens a year out from an election. Yeah. Where you know that it's going to be politically just regurgitated in your. We did this for low income. You no, believe, you didn't. What dude. about the people? What about the people that actually see this and they and they, they have no understanding and they decide to go forward with this because they feel like they're getting a deal? You think Jerome Powell sitting back like, bitch? What the fuck are you guys doing? Clearly not working hand in hand, side by side with one another. Secretary Powell would never speak that way. One hundred percent, he would. You know he does. Yeah, Come, on. Come on, yeah, bitch. Powder me. That's what he would have said. I feel like he does. Lots of whiskey in his hand. With like, 100%. <laughs> you know, these people out here thinking I give a shit about a recession. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fuck around double dipping this bitch. <laughs> now, now, somebody call Pelosi and put my money there. I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before I get myself canceled by talking about how lovely this uh, particular law is and why it's completely ridiculous, which I'm sure you can find more about online. Mm-hmm. Let's go over to one of my favorite billionaires in the world. Why, Chris? Why is he one of your favorites? Well, not not only because Sam Zell sounds like Kermit. Honestly, that's the only reason why he's one of my favorite. But him and and you know, like Warren Buffet uh-huh. and uh, Charlie Munger, they have uh, they have reached the the critical mass point of just not giving a fuck anymore. Yeah. And according to Fortune, this is the headline. This is not me making it up. This is not me being extra sassy. This is just me giving you reading. Okay. Okay. Remote work is bullshit. And the office situation will change, says real estate billionaire Sam Zell. People need to be together. I'm going to let you go, man. Go ahead. Tell me about this article because I didn't read it. I don't agree. You don't agree? I agree to some extent. I do. I do agree that it's better for a company if people get together and they work together. Humans are tribal by nature. They are tribal by okay. nature. Now, if your tribe is at home. I got a tribe at home. I got I got a wife. I, I completely respect that. Yeah. And I, I wish I could spend more time at home. Yep. But how do you, as much as I, I think work from home will always, and I've said this before on the show and people have quoted me about it in the mm-hmm. office. I know that, that work from home is here to stay. And I don't think that that it's bullshit per se, mm-hmm. but I think that it is more taken advantage of than anything else in corporate America today. There's definitely been instances where that, that have been proven. Like some companies, uh, employees have been seen to like not open up their laptops for over a month. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely, and wild. you know people are. Well, you know people feel like unfairly disproportionate, like treatment, mm-hmm. right? So. I look at this. So stop right there, uh, Arun. So, but some of the respondents would agree with his comments on remote workers, particularly younger ones just starting their careers, being less connected to colleagues and mentors and missing out on opportunities. And what have I always said? I'm going to go on. Don't, don't move yet. I have always said that if you want to get ahead in your career, working from home ain't the way to get it. I 100% agree. Okay. So yo, this is a quote. Young people need to develop their skills, he said, and you can't develop those skills if you're not in the office. Some people would argue, but he adds, I don't know how a young person who wants to be recognized, who wants to be rewarded for superior effort, 
can do so if the person who makes the decisions about them doesn't see them at work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in this survey that they referenced in the article, 53% said that working from home does hurt them in terms of how connected they feel to coworkers. Now, some people who want to take advantage of working from home don't give a shit about feeling connected. They're just trying to get a paycheck on the company's dime. And that's, there are there are exceptions and there are different right. people. I get that. 37% said it neither hurt nor helped, while only 10% said it helped working from home. Mm-hmm. In terms of opportunities to be mentored, 36% said remote work hurt them. Only 10% said it helped, while 54% said neither, neither helped nor hurt. And I'll go on. I mean, so this article cites... Jamie Dimon, too. I think this is also worthwhile. Jamie Dimon, CEO, uh, uh, JP Morgan, said in January at Davos, Switzerland, of course, fall so hard. Yeah. Probably took the PJ over there. Flex. God damn. Didn't you stay to the height? (laughs) (laughs) Bro, he stayed on. He could stay on his jet. It's better than the height. That remote work quote, does does it work for young kids or spontaneity or management? Mm -hmm. Look, I'll say this. If I was just now entering the workforce, and I'm trying to build a career for myself and network and learn and get some mentorship, 110%. You got to go into the office. I mean, that's, that's how we had an, when I first started, we had an open door policy. Everyone was kind enough for me. Everyone, to, everyone, go back, go back up a little bit. Leave right yeah. there. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to shut this down. So I just throw it a minute. Go ahead. Everyone, everyone was kind enough to have an open door policy for you to come in and ask questions. And that's how you learned. Right. So entering the workforce now and just IMing somebody that you've never met before, asking for help, they'd be like, dude, get lost. I have my own shit to do. No one's going to want to help you as much. So I I totally, totally get it. But I I would say that maybe a hybrid model, because there are stats out there that people are more, I don't know, efficient working from home. I think for every bit of efficiency you get, Mm -hmm. you lose teamwork. You lose camaraderie. Mm -hmm. And I think that the disconnect that people have is is people who were good teams before the pandemic, yeah, before working from home, are mm-hmm. still good teams after working from home. Yes. But the core of that good team right. came from working together in most cases. 110%. In most cases. So I agree. Jamie Dimon, he made similar comments in May 2021 at a Wall Street Journal conference saying, quote, it doesn't work for those who want to hustle. True. It doesn't work for spontaneous idea generation. And it doesn't work for culture. And that's my biggest problem with it. Right. And that's a problem that I, I, I wildly misunderstood when working from home took place. You really can't cultivate culture and teamwork and bonding the way humans really need to. Right. I've, of, I've often looked at people who retired and thought, okay, they need to find something to do. Right. They need to find something to keep themselves interested and engaged. Right. If somebody didn't retire, but they work from home, they lose that thing that you don't want people, you don't want retirees to die because they don't have a sense of belonging or community. And I think people lose a sense of belonging or community with a company the longer they work from home. Yeah. There's this detachment, right? Venture capitalist Mark Andreessen said later that year, uh, remote work had detonated the way Americans connect with younger workers getting hit the hardest. More recently, James Clark, the CEO of ClearLink, a Utah-based digital marketing firm, explained why he feels remote workers should return to the office. He he revealed his fear that some of them might be working other full-time jobs 
and mentioned the ability of artificial intelligence to boost productivity, freeing up employee time the company might be better utilizing among his yeah. comments. I mean, I completely, I mean, we should ask Odin. Odin's the one working from home right now. How do you feel? Do you feel connected to uh, any to- one of your two, two, three, two jobs, four jobs? <laughs> <laughs> Just one now. Oh, oh. yeah. No, um, I'm definitely disconnected from the team. Really? I, I do miss working in the office. Granted, it's more convenient to my lifestyle that I have now with a newborn and a uh, wife that is pregnant. It does help to be at home. To help. That was a weird sound after the wife was pregnant. <clears throat> mm. it, it was, it was something <laughs> stuck in my throat. I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. It's called your conscious. Uh, <laughs> but uh-huh. yeah, I do miss working um, at the office. But what is it? What is it? What, the, is it? Is it the team building? Is it? Do you feel like you would you would benefit? You would learn more? Oh, definitely. I the thing that I hate the most about working remote is, <laughs> hey, do you have a moment to tell me how to do this? Versus walking up to that person's desk and getting them to teach me right away mm. or explain something to me versus, all right, let me look at my calendar. When can I fit you 15 minutes, 30 minutes? Like that stuff doesn't happen. Um, you don't get I that hate way. calendaring, by the way. But, yeah. I hate cal- but I mean, I remember, I remember back in the day, like you could always like gauge whether someone was like willing to help you or not just by passing them in a the hallway. You could say hi to them if they were friendly or not. You know what I mean? Like you could tell if somebody would, was willing to take questions. If, if some people wanted to be like, all right. Yeah. I'm going to avoid this guy. Mm. Yeah, and you know, that guy with the corner office. Yeah, because I work in marketing. <laughs> I don't I have mean, one of those anymore, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're with the people now, right, Chris? Yeah. Not real. No. 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 Oh, no. Wow. I mean, my office is okay, I think, ridiculous. I think, I think exactly what happened was he left the people. Oh, it's because of Blackheart. <laughs> no. Dude, oh, my God. Blackheart okay. gave you a room? Two comments on that, right? So, I rarely talk about office in the show, but yeah, our actual office in the show. So, when I went Chicago, Hugo, who took over facilities, decided he was going to move me into a different office unilaterally, even though I had strong trepidation to doing so. He told he told you, I'm just doing this. Oh, he told me it has been done. Wow. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing that now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kid you not, I don't even use like two-thirds of the space. It's a, it's a wildly big office. I just sit in like the corner. Yeah. With like the lights off and like mood lighting, yeah, and I just don't go anywhere else. <laughs> it's very lonely. It's very weird. I don't. I don't like yeah. it at all. Yeah, I, I prefer like the. I don't know if I prefer an open space. Yeah. The second thing, I was because of you, and I blame you for this. You motherfucker. <laughs> this is your fault. Okay. No, it's always my fault. <laughs> the CEO is is a, is a dear friend. Okay. CEO of our of our bank. Oh yeah. And and we went to to a lunch with clients today. Oh, okay. And, you know, we were talking a little bit of shit to one another, oh, <laughs> you know, no. which is fine. And uh, we were talking about O'Hare and some airports and travel. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't like Chicago O'Hare because they don't have like a lounge. They got the American Airlines one, but, you know, it's, it's all right. It's not like a Centurion lounge. Wow. You fucking elitist. He, he, he stopped in and he goes, yeah, you have to forgive him. He, uh, he has a black card. So now it's just <laughs> Centurion or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, this is fucking Saeed's fault. <laughs> no, you've done this to yourself, man. No, I didn't. I'll tell you I've, right now. I, I, I've had one conversation think, with him about I think, it. I think I can make a guess and be like, I don't run in the same circles as him. So he clearly, don't, don't he thought that. he thought reverse elite me, you motherfucker. He, fucking, he thought that independently. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he took a <laughs> shot right across the bat. I, I swear the whole time, the rest of the time, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to shut the fuck up. Yeah, there's no coming back from that. We're not talking about travel. <laughs> the other guy was talking about buying a plane. Clearly, I can't afford to buy a plane. 
Dude, so you know how our phones are always listening to us and uh, the ads that come up on your phone are based on the conversations that you've had? Is that Clearly, black card ads? I swear to God, there's a, art, there's a piece of artwork that I wanted to get for the studio. It's like a, a black card that's like this big and you could just have like our name on it, the higher standard, and it looks like it's a black card. I was like, how dope would it be? If you oh, I, it, like, you really know what? I just remembered. Oh, this is a terrible human being thing. I actually have, what am I doing? I'm an idiot. What? I've got a ton of art from some really good artists that I literally have in the garage and I have like hidden away in my closet that's not even out. Yeah. That I should totally bring to the studio. One of, um, like some pretty high-end art pieces. I, I think I remember. I, based on I have the one with the, um, uh, Alan Cohen, um, Daniel Alan Cohen. What is it? I remember it was, I like, it was, like, it was like a simple, the, it was like a simple piece bread. of art. Right, yeah. I had the, the, he has bread, which is basically dollar bills in inside of like a bread right, bag. Right, right. I have that one, which I can, we can put literally right in the center of the show here. I have um, I have the check I wrote to myself, which he had framed up in, in position. Mm-hmm. The first year, I want to make a million dollars a year. I wrote it. I wrote it with a check to myself. It was a great yeah. piece of art, but yeah, commissioned it very high end, very nice. Wow. Yeah, we got to bring it in. Yeah, what am I doing? I, I'm an idiot. Well, Sorry, bro. I we we got We got still a lot of work to do in the studio. I should have brought those in by now. I'm totally, I'm totally deviated. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to uh, I don't know criminal stuff. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's a good segue from Charlie uh, high end art to Charlie Javis. Charlie Javis, dude, she's a <sighs> piece of work. She's going to jail for a very fucking long time. But just in case you wanted to question how intelligent Charlie Javis was, mm-hmm. if you're going to rip off J.P. Morgan Chase, probably right? probably a bad first move. Probably a bad first move. Jamie Devon doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who takes L's very well. <laughs> J.P. Morgan, the guy himself. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Diamond. Yeah, Jamie Diamond. Or his uncle JP. Yeah, JP. JP Morgan. <laughs> so she rips off JP Morgan, pisses off Jamie Diamond, and could take her money to Wells, B of A, Chase. Hold on, you got you got a shit ton of money from Chase, and you're like, thanks guys, I'm gonna take the signature. Why not just keep it there? Because she knew they'd take it back. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? They're gonna eventually find out. Wait a minute. Yeah. Of these four million clients' names, only three hundred thousand are real. Uh, Jamie, should we freeze her account? Yes. That should have been a red flag number one. Right? Take the money? Yeah. So where did she where did she take the money? Well, Frank founder Charlie Chavez said she moved millions of dollars out of JP Morgan, uh, her accounts there, after the bank fi- <laughs> the bank fired her and accused her of fraud. Mm. No, fired you and found out about your fraud. Not accused. Right. But we can still call it that. It's cute. Right. Uh, but then wound up getting caught up in the collapse of one bank known as Signature Bank. Javis, whose college finance site J.P. Morgan acquired for $175 million in 2021, said in a Friday court filing in Delaware Federal Court, she moved her money to Signature in September of 2022. Mm. J.P. Morgan had put her on administrative leave days earlier and would later sue her for fraud, claiming she vastly inflated the number of Frank customers during acquisition negotiations. As a quote here, as it happened, that timing was ill-fated. End yeah. quote. Javis's lawyer said of her transfers to Signature. I feel like it was vastly underrated how many customers she forged. Oh, first of all, this is not, this is not accused anymore. No, no, no. She forged all of this shit. She yeah. is going to jail. She's going to jail for a long time. For just a refresher... She made that that website that's supposed to help with the financial aid process, and she forged roughly around three point seven million accounts uh, and sent it over to J.P. Morgan. 
and they only found out because of the email list that she provided came back as not deliverable. So Arun highlighted the best part of the article, I would say, for the end. Hmm. Ready? Go for it. According to the same Bloomberg business article, Javis moved millions from JP Morgan and Signature Bank months before the collapse. The two bullet points below. Mm-hmm. You don't need to read anything else. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Bullet point number one. Mm-hmm. Javis says she managed to get her money out during the bank run. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy for you. Happy for JP maybe, Morgan. Maybe she can spend it. Yeah. Oh, wait. Nope. Bullet point number two. Assets have since been seized by federal prosecutors, she says. But it's are we still using the word allegedly, I guess, with the, how much, with the fraud here? How much time is, is, do you think she goes away for? Not long <sighs> enough. Yeah. Not long enough. I mean, maybe five years. Yeah. Especially if they can get up most of the money back. Maybe five years, maybe three. Yeah. I mean, it's not Theranos, but, it's, you know, it's, it's how did she? Th- how did she see this playing out, though? Like, at what point, like... I think she thought they were all going to get emails. I mean, here's the problem is if you're her, why did you go buy a house in Connecticut? Why didn't you just go to Mexico? Yeah. Go to a country with no extradition. Right. Go to Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, get go couple, someplace else. Get a couple different passports. You know, well, look, JP Morgan's going to repossess that shit and they're going to, they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. That's all it's going to, it's all, it's all those funds going to come back. Yeah. I love when justice is served. <laughs> wow. I love it when Jim Cramer's wrong, but we'll get into that later. Mm. That's a teaser, I mean, kids. That's when he's wrong, that's like weekly at this point. <laughs> that's like every fucking time he speaks. Yeah. All right. According to another Bloomberg Business Week article, one that I just put in the show notes earlier this evening, so you probably haven't had the time to fully read it. Right. This title, The Repo Man Returns. I was hoping it was going to be a sequel to Repo Man, the movie, but it was not. Mm-hmm. That is to say, as more Americans fall behind on car payments. It's a major shift from the pandemic years when relief measures for consumers meant repos largely dried up, leaving many agents out of a job. Repo agents are referring to. Mm-hmm. Now repossession companies are struggling to find enough workers to meet repo requests. I'm going to let that sink in a little bit. Yeah, I've seen some of these videos online about repo men going to try to collect cars. And people are fucking... Ruthless. Oh yeah, they, they, it's it's a business now. People, no, 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 no. Forget the repo guy. Some of the people that that are getting their car repoed. Mm-hmm. Oh, this article goes into that. Yeah, I know you didn't have a chance to read it, but yeah, it goes into that. Yeah, there's like a teacher who's like, you know, she's like some kind of consultant slash teacher, and she's like, oh, every day she parks her car in front of her house, but she's afraid, so she like takes stuff off. I mean, it's a whole thing. Takes stuff off her car. Well, I mean, like, you, I'd yeah. say it's just fucked up. Mm. Well, let's, let's not let's not assume. Let's get into the quotes here. As the economy curves down, our industry curves up, says Ben. These is what it yeah, is. I was gonna say, don't try it. These don't do it. Vice president of North Carolina-based Home Detective Co. and a member of the American Recovery Association, the industry group that hosted the Orlando conference in March. The percentage of subprime auto borrowers who were at least 60 days late on their bills was 5.3%, mm. up from a seven-year low of 2.58% in May of 2021, and higher than in 2009, the peak of the financial crisis. Data from Fitch ratings show, while not all of the borrowers will face repossession, the risk is high. So, effectively, they go 60 days late. They don't necessarily face repossession. There's usually 90, 120 days, whatever it might be. Right. But it tends to show you that there's an increasing probability of more repossessions. What this is really pointing to is that 
you've got a fundamental problem. And then you layer in what we've been experiencing in the automotive industry for a period of time where people were paying above market, above MSRP for the cars because there was so many cars are underwater. Implied demand. You drive off a lot, you lose money, but you really lose money when you paid over MSRP just to buy the car in the first fucking place. Yep. So well, I, I think this is going to be a very, a very interesting tipping point in, in the economy. This combined with the fact that people are so leveraged on a historical high amount of credit card debt mm-hmm. that now they're turning to the buy now, pay later we talked about on previous shows. Yep. And I am very concerned for consumer debt. Not only that, I mean, look, if, if this continues to go up, people start losing their cars, right? Now you don't have access to get to work. What, what happens there? Assuming you don't work from home. <laughs> assuming, yeah, assuming you don't work mm-hmm. from home. Yeah. Um, and then slowly not being able to pay your bills, like this is the beginning of the turmoil that I think starts to get really scary. Well, uh, so I'll point out it was actually a little higher. Uh, if you click on the article link, Arun, and you go to the article, the, the, there's actually like a chart. Uh, oh, you don't have a subscription. I'm broke. Yeah, broker? I got so yeah, you just have to clear your cache. Actually, no. <laughs> yeah, what I'll do is I I, I have the uh, subscription to Apple News, which is like the you get a bunch of different periodicals. Bloomberg is one of them. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll put it on that that computer so you can. Yeah, I'll give you some of my. Privileged black heart access. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I am Jesus. Glory be my name. <laughs> uh, but uh, until then, I will just grace you with the fact that there's a chart here which effectively shows how the the number of 60-day lates have actually tipped down a little bit in recent months. Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand why yet. But I, it, saw, I saw that. I was able to pull the article and I looked at the chart. Um, oh, did you just flex your fucking membership to me? No, I didn't. Fl- no, I cleared my cash and I was able to look at the chart. Is it cash or is it catch? Catch. Cash, right? Cash. 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 Arun, you're the uh, marketing internet guy. Is it catch or cache? Catch. He's like, it's cash. Yeah. Clear your cash. So, clear your cash. So you fucked that up. I did fuck that up. Just to be clear. <laughs> see, this is why you just can't let it go. You bounced your titties at me earlier. Okay, I can say whatever the fuck I want to. Don't do it again. <laughs> Stop. It's so off putting. I can't do it. I worked that chest. I worked that chest and it felt good. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Shake weight? <laughs> <laughs> my go to. That's my primer. Is it? <laughs> 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 That's a meme right there. Yeah. <laughs> but what's crazy about this, right? This is This is going on. We know everything that's going on in the market. Look, this week is a big week because you have, you know, big tech companies releasing earnings. So it's earnings season. You know, previously it was banks. Now it's going into like big tech. Big tech, tech yeah. Uh, this week, right? This week, yeah. So Microsoft, Meta, Alphabet, Amazon. Yo, did you see how much that dude at Google was made? He made $200 million. $200 million. Last year, $200 million. He had a $2 million salary. You made like um, 200 something or close to it was some $200 million in like just options and stock. Mm-hmm. You had a $6 million a year security fee. Right. It was like $960 an hour every hour, every day, around the clock, all year long. Right. Security. Yeah. yeah. Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai compensation topped $200 million in 2022. Yeah. Damn. Most of the pay came through stock awards, according to a securities report filed by the company on Friday. Uh, the CEO's compensation package also included almost $6 million for personal security. Yeah. I'm um, going to be honest. If I would have saw him out, I wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, I'll let him go. That's, that's the beauty behind it, right? But um, we know that 
a lot of these people, you know, the big tech companies, they started off with a lot of round of layoffs, like early on, right? And we know that directly impacts their bottom line for earnings season, right? They they address some of the issues early on. This is the part that I I find like tricky, is now they're going to show that they've actually made you know a net profit, right? And let's say they're still profitable. Let's say the moves that they made allowed them to still be profitable. Mm-hmm. Stock price doesn't take a big hit. So now the Fed sees this. Big tech companies are still profitable. We're going to have positive GDP growth. We still have low unemployment, right? None of these are signs for them to back off. No, no. So that that's the problem, right? There's going to need to be a big sign for them to back off. So although well, I, I think they're going to increase rates 25 basis points, and I'm I'm so tired of speculating at this point. No, no, but, that 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 we know. That but we I, know I don't think they're going to cut, cut rates anytime soon. No, I think you're in. I think you're in for a long, dirty birdie ride. And that's the and that's the part that I think it's the messaging that we need to continue to push is. All that messaging out there saying that they're going to cut rates, they're going to cut rates. Why? Why would they? There's no sign out there for them to cut rates. Not right now, no. No, not mm-hmm. right now. So um, that's the scary part for people that are getting their cars repoed. Like, this situation is not going to get better anytime soon for anybody. No, it's going to get worse. And it needs to get worse. It, it absolutely needs to get worse. In order for the Fed to be convinced they need to turn around, it, it's the, the, here's the part that just... Every single day, someone somewhere, either on the radio, that I'll, I'll listen to CNBC via uh, Sirius XM radio or something like that, mm-hmm. um, on the way into the, in, into the, to work in the morning, or I'll listen to CNBC throughout the day. Somebody inevitably suggests that there's still a path for there to be no recessionary economy, and there's not going to be a lot of pain moving forward. And I, and I, I just scratch my head every single time, and I think to myself, then how ignorant can you be? So what's actually transpiring here? I mean, the Fed is clearly making it known that they're going to push until they see things moving in the right direction. Yeah. And right now, other than the inflationary number moving the right direction, yeah, everything else seems to suggest that what they're doing is not having a painful or dramatic impact. Well, I mean, their preferred gauge isn't moving in the right direction. Yeah, last month anyway, yeah. core inflation. Core inflation, right. Yeah. So and this is the part where it starts to get a little sticky-icky. Sticky what? Icky-icky. Is that a drug reference? Absolutely not. Um, How dare you say that? No, but so, and if so, if those that are citing that, you know, we won't be in a recession and corporations and companies will still remain profitable, meaning there's, there'll still be growth, right? What have we seen these corporations do in order to remain profitable? Layoffs, expense layoffs, management. Lay, expense management. It's yeah. a huge. That's been a huge part of it. So maybe that's what continues to happen. Maybe that's what the Fed knows that companies are going to be forced to do in order. In order. Jesus, sorry. Get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> Two light beers and he's drunk. <laughs> yeah, I, was, uh, I like chocolate. Maybe that's how they know that the unemployment rate is going to get up to four point six percent because corporations are going to need to continue to you know manage their expenses. I some of that has to do with layoffs in order to still remain profitable. Mm. I mean, I, that, that's the only thing that I can think of. And I think it, we're going to see one of the most aggressive expense management seasons in the next, call it, 12 months that we've ever seen. Right. And unfortunately, whether people like to acknowledge this or not, let's just say the Fed holds rates through 2023. 
let's just say we enter a recession towards late part of the year. Right. You're walking into an election season where all this stuff is just going to be smashed in front of you. Yeah. Pushed in front of you every which way you go. It's going to be blamed on one party versus another party. Mm-hmm. It's going to be crazy, man. And and I look at all this and I, it's, it's it's coalescing into a very charged political climate. And it's unfortunate that it's going to happen this way. Yeah. And we already saw that Bed Bath & Beyond filed for BK. Mm, moment of silence for Bed Bath & Beyond, everybody. Jim Cramer fucked them like he fucked everything else. <laughs> and, uh, well, Bed Bath & Beyond kids, they are officially going under. And what was interesting today is people were trading the shit out of that stock. No way. And I don't get it. Are you trying to keep it alive? I don't get it. I think they were just trying to make money on the, on the downslope or something, but... Mm-hmm. They filed for bankruptcy. It's a whole thing. And um, they're going to wind down their assets and their business after years of losses and a failed turnaround. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like to think the death nail in the coffin was Jim Cramer said that they had a chance. Yeah, apparently they needed $375 million loan to get through the holidays. Then they struck an unusual $1 billion financing deal with a hedge fund in February to put off a bankruptcy filing, just putting it off. Like, what's that about? I don't know. Maybe the hedge funders needed a loss. The hedge fund needed a loss? Who can we give a billion dollars to that doesn't make absolutely fucking no sense? You know, Bed Bath & Beyond. You know, Kramer did say Party City or Bed Bath & Beyond. Let me ask you a question, to be honest. When was the last time you walked into a Bed Bath & Beyond? No, a long time. Long time. Definitely definitely within the last, like, five years, but... Arun? Um, Probably, like, ten years ago. Yeah, probably probably about ten years for me, too. Yeah. I can't think of a reason. Why would you go there? Everything you want to buy in Bed Bath & Beyond, you can get on Amazon. Or, or tar- cheaper. Or Target. Yeah, or Target, yeah. Man, yeah just, that big of an elitist. You can't even call it Target. You got to call it Target. Target, bro. Just to make yourself feel better. Once you have a black card, you have to call it. I think there's a... There's a list of rules. I think there's like a higher-end Target in New York. Is there? I, I, would, I wouldn't know anything about that. Oh, can you look that up? I'm not making that up, am I? There's a higher-end Target in New York? Yeah, it just sounds like... Yeah, like I want to call it like Target Black or something. Higher-end Target in New York. Okay, wow. He actually searched that. Yeah. Um, nothing. Okay. Yeah, in they Soho, s- they just opened a massive new store in Soho. Mm-hmm. Six hundred Broadway. It, it's just a big target. No, 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 I'm telling you, I read this somewhere. I don't think you read. <laughs> no, I yeah. did. But it looks like a pretty fucking normal target to me, other than the bricks. I mean, Bed Bath Beyond is dead. What else is dead? We're just gonna ignore you. Made that shit up? No, no, no I'll find it. While you while you get into what else what else I don't want to take your segue right now. I feel like we should dwell on you fucking up. Chamath. Chamath. Chamath uh, from the All In podcast has said crypto is dead in America. This guy's a fascinating guy. I, I I like this guy a lot. He is fascinating to me. I, I'm gonna say some shit now that's gonna bother a lot of people. Oh. I look at guys like him and I think to myself, are they truly that much more intelligent than most people, or were they just smart people? You know. Who were in the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. in the right business. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to dwell on it, but so he, he's got some opinions here. I, I would say that he was a sponsor of cryptocurrency at one point in time. So for him to say that the cryptocurrency is dead in America is interesting, but he effectively blames it on the regulators. So in February, the agency proposed rules that would change which crypto firms can custody customer assets. Talking about the SEC. Mm-hmm. In March, the SEC issued crypto exchange Coinbase a Wells notice. This from the CNBC article titled, Crypto is Dead in America. Mm-hmm. 
Well, typically one of the final steps before it files charges. So you get a Wells notice and then guess what? Boom, charges from the SEC and uh, charges, not so fun. That's just them putting you on notice. Yep. The warning, uh, the company that it identified potential violations of U.S. securities law. Last week, the SEC charged the crypto asset trading platform Bittrex. Is that what that is? Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. And it's ex-CEO. <laughs> That's funny. With operating an unregulated exchange. Unregi- and honestly, so... Yeah. Unregistered? Unregistered. Yeah. Un- wow. I'm just trying um, to help you out. Arun, are you still looking for that super cool target in New York? I, just, I, I found it. I found it. So apparently it was a hoax. But it, it was going around. It made, it, made, it made the news cycles, but it was a hoax. So you don't even bother to research shit that you're now rebroadcasting disinformation <laughs> on the show for your own personal gain? God damn it. Arun. Yes, well, hold on, I did say. Do you I, want to come in the room and swap with him real quick? Yeah. Are we gonna- <laughs> Wait, hold on, I did. I did say that. I I think I read this somewhere, but I don't know. You did read it. You read it on like one of those joke websites. That <laughs> it you was a headline. He yeah. saw the headline. He's like, it's real yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Like, Target Black from New York. <laughs> this is for Chris. So you often read about uh, Target hoaxes, or is <laughs> yeah, this just, yeah, yeah. Are you like subscribe to those like hoax websites? Uh, so come on, titties aren't bouncing now, huh, Chief? He has, a, he has a Google <laughs> alert for black card. Yeah, 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 exactly. Any, anything black related. So Coinbase. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. So get back on track, Chris. All right. Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong told CNBC that his company <laughs> is preparing for shit. Like, it goes some perverted shit for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on now. Oh my no, don't say Brian Armstrong told CBC that his company is preparing for a years long court battle with the commission. <laughs> oh god. I just got lightheaded. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> and he's also considering relocating outside the US if it doesn't get improved regulatory clarity. Meanwhile, Bittrex has already announced it would da- it would wind down U.S. operations specifically due to, quote, continued regulatory uncertainty. Well, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm like, I'm tearing up so much I can't read. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they were probably the ones that were the most threatening to the establishment, said uh, Chamath, referring to crypto companies. And they were in the ones that in fairness to the regulations did push the boundaries more than any other sector of the startup economy. Mm-hmm. Now they're paying the price for that. He said the, the bill has come due for them. I'll say it a different way. Cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency firms and Coinbase included um, really tried to prop themselves up in a way that they try to characterize and make look as close to an SEC regulated institution as possible. They had the same yeah. scrutiny, the same internal oversight, but they weren't regulated by the SEC. Right. They weren't. It, it was aesthetics. Mm-hmm. And they pushed the envelope saying, this is something that should be okay before anybody had opined on it. That's a tremendous risk. Right. And the SEC rightfully is stepping in saying, you know what? This looks like unregistered securities. And when you think about the way Bitcoin is traded, it is an unregistered security. Yeah. And if you think about the way the SEC is handling this all, they're going after the small fish first. They take them down one by one by one, and then they're going to come over and take out the big fish. Well, how many people have to lose money before they go, okay, we need to address this? I mean, how many more people need to lose money before the the crypto investors themselves 
realize like I got to get out now. They won't. It, it, they're anti-establishment. They believe in this whole, you know, decentralized network. But not concept. all. Not not every crypto investor thinks that way, right? Some some people understand that they're just riding hype. I'm sure they do, but the problem is, is right whether you understand it or not, you're still invested in something that could blow up all overnight. Right. And there are still diehard Bitcoin people who truly believe that Bitcoin is a commodity mm-hmm. and it's an asset class and that, that that that's counter to the banking system and it could go to a million dollars per coin. Yeah. I thought see, that's what I thought I remember Chamath saying. And he was. He 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 definitely back in the day he backed it. And mm-hmm. and look, I, I don't begrudge anybody who changes their opinion and pivots. I certainly got very into cryptocurrency and NFTs and spent some time with it. Uh was I ever like a full like bull where I was all about it? No, but I wanted to know about the technology. And I'll tell you that I, I know enough now to tell you that I, I I don't think the longevity for things like Coinbase and companies like them as really truly dealing with unregistered securities is there for the US. Right. As, I think as, your math is right. As as much as I would like to have hoped that crypto would come to a crashing halt because people just don't, don't no longer trust it, that was never going to be the case. Like you said, people trust it blindly. You know, if this is what it takes for people to see like, wow, the SEC is never going to let this shit fly long term, then okay, then that's what it's got to be. Well, look, people buy into the dogma, man. And the dogma is, is that this is going to change the way money passes by and you know passes to individual individual we can remove the middleman we're going to decentralize it started with robin hood's kind of concept of democratizing things well mm-hmm. you can do that but people really forget that the the entire economic system is propped up yep by monetary policy like it or not mm-hmm. you know it can be manipulated and it has been ma- manipulated through time so uh, I, I think more and more countries are getting away from the U.S. dollar, but I don't think that those countries, i.e. China, mm-hmm. are going to say, okay, we want to get away from the U.S. dollar, but we're okay with cryptocurrency. That's just another currency to undermine what they're trying to do in propping their currencies up. Right. So the governments have a vested interest in continuing to push their currency as a stable way and means of trade. Right. So I want to talk about our buddy Jimbo Kramer. Want to talk about Jimbo Kramer? Yeah. You had something you were going to go into, but... I was going to go into other things that people can look forward to this week. Why, um, why don't you do that? We're propping up uh, John Oliver discussing. So I think by the time this episode comes out, um, this will all be out there. So if you're interested, you can go ahead and look into it or um, wait for us to go over over the next episode because we definitely will. Q1 GDP report will come out mm. by the time this show gets released. I think the number will be surprisingly healthy still, unfortunately. Yep. Which is just another strong economic data point. For the Fed to say, look, we have more room to operate. May right? 3rd, 25 basis points. Lego! Yeah. Uh, expectations are GDP for Q1 for 2023 is now expected to come in at 1.8%. So it's still, still real healthy, yeah. Still healthy, you know, growth. Uh, if you remember, we had those two quarters of contraction in the beginning of 2022 and then some modest growth at the end of the year last year for Q3 and Q4. Um, so. If a recession is going to hit, we're going to need to see some contraction over at least two months. But National Bureau of Economic Research had the last say. Um, yeah, and if you had two quarters of negative GDP growth, that would put us in well into Q3, if not Q4. Right. And also later this week, consumer confidence, consumer sentiment reports will come out. Uh, University of Michigan's consumer sentiment index. I don't expect any pivot based on the consumer spending and else we're seeing so mm-hmm. far. 
I think and, the major pivots and that kind of thing will change over time. Yeah, and consumer confidence is a conference board. So the difference between the two um, is the conference board has a larger sample, right? They're better at picking up on indicators of the job market and job security, right? And University of Michigan's report is more like personal. So they'll ask from the survey, they'll ask you, how do you feel? How do you feel about businesses, where they're going? And I don't see, I don't see much, much change there either. Huh. Yeah. Okay, well. Before we say goodbye for the night, uh, I ran across this shortly before tonight's episode, and I thought it was so good that I wanted to share it. This is John Oliver, who is a fantastic comedian on HBO. I love his show. Never mm-hmm. thought in a million years I would I would like his show as much as I do. They do they do some really good deep dive journalism there, and they do it in a great comedic way. Mm-hmm. It, truly, a lot of respect. He uh, he understands the uh, inverse Kramer fund. Yeah. And uh, he, um, he does not, not like Jim Cramer very much. <laughs> so, Arun, when you're ready, go ahead and play uh, a little bit of the clip where John Oliver uh, does what I like to call tearing uh, your boy Jim Cramer a new asshole. <laughs> that guy is a clueless idiot. He's Mark. a pathological liar. He's a con man. We're talking about nearly four years of getting away with financial murder just because they could. Those are some harsh words there from the squawking parrot on every pirate shoulder. (laughs) Especially as, just a year earlier, Kramer was saying this. Tonight, we're going to educate ourselves with Sam Bankman-Fried. Well, Sam, I gotta tell you, it's an honor to have you because I think you're pretty much a visionary. Yeah, not great, but also not surprising. After all, this is the same guy that proclaimed that Bear Stearns is fine, literally days before it folded, told his viewers to buy Netflix right before it lost almost 70% in five months, and once, and this is true, said that Google, Facebook, and Twitter should hire Kevin Spacey as a spokesperson. Wow. Jim Cramer is the only person who could look you in the eye, say, you are going to die tomorrow, and give you an immediate sense of calm, knowing that you're going to live for another 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ah, that's great mm. that's great and that's true you see all the news today about uh, the shuffles that was going on in mainstream media Tucker Carlson gone your boy Don Nelliman out that's your boy uh, yeah I did see so like it's uh, your boy yeah so I saw both of those um, someone over at NBC too stepped away yeah he uh, apparently had an inappropriate relationship with a female co-worker little fun fact he was married oh yeah would have never guessed you know, there's a lot of parts about woke culture that bother me that I think have gone too far extreme. Uh, and I, I, I don't like any extremes on, any, on either end of any aisle, right? Like, I don't like extreme, like extreme politics. I like people to be rational and thoughtful. And there def- is... Definition alone, though. It's like, it's only 10% here, 10% there. A majority of us are right here in the middle anyways. We should be, but I think in order to be heard these days, you have to be an extremist. But there is one thing I love to see in corporate America. And I'm sorry I'm this guy. If you're married... Mm-hmm. And you're sleeping with somebody in your company. Wow. Particularly somebody who reports to you as the CEO in this case. Mm-hmm. You got to go. Got to go. You got to go. Bad man. Do yeah. not pass go. No. Do not collect your $200. Straight to jail. Say goodbye. Straight to jail. Right away. See ya. Undercook, overcook. <laughs> yeah, man. That's uh, unacceptable. I, I, I can't believe it happens as frequently as it does. It happens all the time, man. And yeah. it blows me away to think that like, you're you're a powerful person in the world. You make a ton of money. Okay, let, let's say you want to cheat on your wife. Okay, I'm not endorsing that shit, but that's what you want to do. Why in your company? What the fuck, man? Yeah, yeah pretty lazy. Well, they know because pe- pe- people like that, where else are they going to go? They can't get it anywhere else. You got to use their power. Uh, maybe that's part of it. I, w- I wouldn't know. I mean, maybe since you have so much experience in this, I, I, don't, I wouldn't know. 
Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. You've been bouncing your titties at me all night long. I know what you no, want. I'm try- I'm you think you're in a position of power <laughs> and this is going to mean something, okay? Yeah. No means no. No means no. Got it. I haven't asked you out yet. <laughs> yeah, good, because I'm not going to go. It's late at night. Yeah. I got to go home. I got work to do. I'm recording to my wife. The cleaning lady's coming tomorrow. It's <laughs> super early, so I got to clean up the house when I get home. Oh, isn't that the worst? Cleaning yeah, ladies clean come. Before the cleaning lady comes. Yeah, clean before, yeah exactly. I'm like, God, this is the most ass backwards shit ever. I know, man. And like, like, and then because the cleaning lady cleaned the house, so like, we don't, uh, we change our our own bed sheets. We change our sheets twice, twice a month, right? On the fifteenth and at the end of the month. Well, you change your bed sheets twice a month. Yeah. Well, my wife does it every Sunday. Yeah, oh, we do it every twice. Sunday. We do it twice a month. Fifteenth and end of the month. Like That's clock dirty ass sheets, huh? Clock, clockwork. No. Dirty, bro. So it's like, Arona, you uh, once a week guy. Are you uh, like what? What do you twice? Wish? Once a month. Twice a month, you too. Yeah. Both mm-hmm. of you dirty. Yeah. Man, how dirty you make your sheets, bro? You also don't shower when you get home. I, I know you. Dirty, bro. I like to shower in the mornings, man. I, every time I shower in the morning. You don't shower before going to bed? I'll shower. If I go to the gym, I'll shower before going to bed. Like, okay, like tonight, you didn't go to the gym because I saw the activity. <laughs> I saw the activity. I think that the office is like six. Listen, I didn't ask for an excuse. I'm just saying I, I saw the activity. You didn't go to the gym, so you'll be showering when you go home? No. Nah. That's fucking dirty, bro. Why is it dirty? That, what do you mean? You sweat. I don't sweat, bro. Bro, will you carry around I'm that? hairless. Like, will you, you carry that's around? your problem. Is all that body hair carries around all that nasty you know, ass so you know sweat you're talking about. A, it's like you're walking you around. both look like fur coats. You know, like people walking around with a weighted vest, you're walking around with a weighted body. That's what's going on right now. Bro, you can leave my belly button out of this conversation, okay? <laughs> I ain't bringing your man titties up in this conversation, okay? <laughs> two hey, geese eyes wearing ass. I, 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 two geese eyes wearing ass. Have you thought about the, yeah. the fat jokes that are coming our way when we go up to my pump? No, man, I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> Do you? I feel pretty good. I've got a whole slimming outfit. That's, that's why you invited. all black. That's why you invited Odun and I? Yeah, I'm a, I got the upper body fat count in the room. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you're not going to be on camera, Arun, okay? Well, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, you, just, I mean, you can hear it in your voice, though. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> My breathing. Yeah. Maybe I'll just have you bring in some chicken and eat it in the background. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be like the guy eating ice cream in the back of the Barstool Sports. <laughs> yeah. I saw one of those episodes recently, too. Is he eating fried was, chicken? Yeah, I don't remember. He just does that. It was hilarious. Yeah, I saw him interview somebody. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Drake. It was hilarious. On Barstool Sports? I think that's what he's doing. He's like, so is, he's like, is it true that the, the prettiest women are from Toronto? And of course, he said about perfectly. He's got to say yes because that's his hometown. He's like, so how'd you fly them in from Miami? <laughs> and then meanwhile, the guy in the back was just eating ice cream. I, I would have started with, is your real name really Ar- Aubrey? Aubrey? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I would go with Drake too. Why? I think Drake's his middle name. I'm not going to lie. I actually really like the AI song. With they, that, that I tried to listen to it and then the, the link that I clicked said it was taken down. So I never got a chance to go around and listen. But I heard that they said that The weekend sounded inauthentic. The weekend sounded slightly inauthentic, but it sounded like his style. Which begs the question, does somebody own their style? No. Drake is infamous for stealing other people's styles. You would know all about this. I don't spend as much time as you do on hip-hop culture websites. No, I mean, he, like, he'll, he'll invite a young rapper from, from... And we know you get search hits for the word black. Uh, anything. All things black. Because I, I usually wear all black. Tonight, I just chose to switch it up. Yeah, this is solely for the camera. I want everybody out there to know, this is not, this is not the real Saeed. This is, I, I wore this to Saeed work today. thought it was black. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that colorblind. No, I wore it to work today, and then it was a bit a little hectic. You were in the office today? I was in the office today, unlike you. I was in the office all day long. That's not true, because I walked by, the car was gone. My car? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I drove Dwayne's car today. I know, it was done. I, I know the spot. Oh, I had to go to lunch. I had a lunch mm-hmm. appointment with a client. Mm-hmm. See, when I take lunches, they're productive lunches. 
Not like you out there gallivanting around and getting like, you know, sushi and tempanyaki and shit. Sushi. No, man. Come yeah. on. Every day. Chicken and rice. Stop. Every day. Stop. You work from home, brother. No, I do not. Yes, you do. I do not. Don't do this. Lie to all of America. All of America. All 18 listeners. All right. Well, it was another glorious episode of The Higher Standard. And if you haven't done so already, please, please, please. Leave us an honest five-star review and a fat joke for Saeed. Right. Make sure you subscribe to the show on YouTube if these episodes ever get, go up. They may not. I pray that this one doesn't. Why? I don't know. The jiggle. The jiggle. Stop with the booby bouncing thing, man. But the fact that you can see it bouncing. You know I edit the videos. I'm going to zoom in on that. As you should. Like, it's just going to be all booby bounces. <laughs> yeah. The whole episode. All right, say goodnight. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.